0: Welcome to Vital Chats. Vital is Northeastern's healthcare innovation organization, empowering future healthcare professionals with an entrepreneurial mindset. We encourage our student audience to explore beyond the traditional pathways that are often seen in the field of medicine. Today, we'll be exploring the role of telemedicine in the COVID-19 pandemic, and we'll be joined by Professor Inteli, our special guest for this episode just to start it off, we want to ask, um, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Sure. I'm an associate professor in the College of Computer and or the Curry College of Computer Sciences and Bouvet College of Health Sciences at Northeastern University. And I work in mobile health technologies.
0: Yeah, so um, you were wondering like what are some of the challenges that are faced um, by health facilities today when implementing, I guess, telemedicine technology and like mobile health technology as part of their healthcare systems and operations? And I guess, how do some like health disparities serve as like barriers to this implementation?
1: Okay, well, that's a pretty broad question. I think if we think about health technologies today and telemedicine today, we're, we're, Well, let's step back for a second. So if we think about technologies today in medicine, most of the technologies are used for what I would think of as sick care. We sort of wait until somebody has a problem and then we try to fix them. And in the United States, we're pretty good at that. If you have a major um, disease or disorder or something, let's say you come down with cancer, we have a lot of therapies and advanced technologies and things that we're gonna then apply to try to help you to, to, to get healthy and to ultimately recover. The problem with that sort of care, of course, is that we don't want people to get sick in the first place. We want to help them stay healthy and stay out of the hospital. That's one issue. The other issue is that that becomes very expensive. So if we wait until people have a serious problem and they're in the hospital, hospital care is extremely expensive. The technologies that are are there are very costly. And that's why in the United States we spend really some of the, we have the highest um, expenditure rate essentially in the world, but our outcomes for that expense are not that great relative to other countries because we we primarily have a sick care system. If you want to reverse that, you have to think about how do we help people before they get sick and what can we do to do that? And one way is through telemedicine. Telemedicine might allow us to monitor people when they are in their homes before they have a problem in a way that we don't currently do. So to shift our system from sick care to prevention, and tech, t- telemedicine may allow us to do that. The The other thing that it may allow us to do or it does allow us to do is to give people care who are not necessarily living in an urban area where there's high access to to physicians and other medical professionals if you're living in a very rural area, for example, telemedicine may allow you to get access to experts when you are sick that you otherwise wouldn't have access to. And so for those reasons, telemedicine is of interest in our medical system, both because we can provide care to people who would otherwise have difficulty getting it, even sick care, uh, things like access to experts, and we can potentially Refocus our care system a little bit on prevention, and so trying to figure out how to do that—it's a very important long-term challenge for our healthcare system.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think like there are just so many like benefits offered by telemedicine that haven't really been utilized so far. Um, I guess that kind of leads into our like kind of next question. We're wondering since um, I guess telemedicine technology is like more is being utilized more um, with the COVID-19 pandemic, and they are having like some like concerns with like patients not being able to like learn how to like adapt to telemedicine technology. So we were just wondering, how are some of the ways that patients like adaptability to telemedicine tech can be improved?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we may have we may want to talk a little bit about telemedicine and what it is now versus what it might be in the future, but for what it is now and specifically specifically during COVID, telemedicine is mostly the ability to just have a virtual meeting via Zoom or some other video platform with a medical professional. And the thing that's been interesting to observe about the pandemic is that for a very long time, it was difficult to have that type of appointment with most medical professionals. And in fact, within the medical system, you would have heard a lot of people say it would be absolutely impossible to convert quickly to large numbers of people using telemedicine uh, of course you know necessity brought about that change with the pandemic and so now we are in a situation where where a huge number of people have had telemedicine appointments that had never had them before and a, and a very large number of medical professionals have uh, participated in telemedicine when they had never done it before but most of what that is is virtual meetings through Zoom. And that's, in my opinion, kind of a very primitive, a necessary but very primitive form of telemedicine uh, because essentially it solves a problem, which is you don't have to travel to wherever the doctor is. Uh, and for many medical visits, if they don't need to physically touch you or 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 sort of manipulate your body, like check something out physically, if they if they can really talk you through a problem, you can show them things through video. There's really no reason why the telemedicine appointment couldn't work, right? And and for for many people, I think they would say it's way better because they don't have to sit in a waiting room, uncomfortable waiting room, with a bunch of other people who are sick in some manner, right? Which is not the greatest situation to begin with. And they can do it from their home, and they can get the information that they need. Now, telemedicine vis- visits not going to work for all types of appointments if. If drugs have to be administered or you need special equipment or some sort of special test, right, then we don't necessarily know how to do that today well with telemedicine. And that's really where the future is and how I would differentiate what we do today and what we might do in the future. In the future, you can imagine that more people are going to have specialized equipment, access to specialized equipment in their home or their community, which might make it possible to do a more sophisticated telemedicine visit and then even beyond that, right now, when we think about telemedicine, it's still this idea that there's an appointment, you meet with the doctor, and then it's over. But what we really want is to be able to have telemedicine where there's continuous monitoring of people uh, if they have problems, So, and and even if they don't. So some, some thing, someone, some entity that is using technology to help you understand your own behavior and sort of keep watch over you to some extent so that before something develops into a major crisis it might be caught and dealt with in a in a much simpler way than if you end up in the hospital and ultimately a much less expensive way than if you end up in the hospital so i think there's sort of three aspects right there's what we have today which is sort of zoom meetings which is a huge advance over what we had prior to the pandemic because a lot of people said there's no way we can do this at the scale that we're doing it today. Then this the sort of second kind of phase or I'd say more sophisticated telemedicine would be cases where there's access to equipment in the home might be very simple pieces of equipment. You could think of the thermometer as one, um, right? But maybe other things in addition to thermometers and blood pressure monitors, things that we might all eventually have in our homes or be able to easily access in our communities And we use those as part of telemedicine visits. And then the third, and I think most interesting long-term possibility is that we have technology like our phones and smartwatches and other things that we use that are gathering information that physicians and other medical professionals can use so that we don't wait until we get sick. We have the possibility of helping people stay healthy before they hit that crisis point.
0: Yeah, I think like you're pointing on like continuous monitoring. I think that's like super interesting because there are like so many ways we can use like our phones and like different apps to do that. Um, For like people that may not like be that knowledgeable about like their own health or may not like feel like the pressure to like kind of be involved in like continuous monitoring, how do you like promote their like engagement with like I guess mobile health like technologies?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think generally in health and certainly in preventive health, this this is the problem, right? People don't really wanna think about getting sick. It's not something that pe- people just wanna live their lives and, and be healthy, right? So to feel like I'm gonna monitor myself in case I have a problem is isn't something that gets people excited. And so one of the things that we have to figure out how to do, and I don't think we know how to do yet, is to build systems that are sufficiently engaging so that people will run, let's say, software on their mobile phone and software on their smartwatch, and maybe they will go out and buy a few pieces, little pieces of equipment that help make virtual visits more effective and long-term monitoring more effective. We have to figure out ways to get people to engage in doing that and telling them that they might get sick in the future isn't going to do it. Um, because people don't do things just because they might get sick later. We, we know that for sure in, in healthcare uh, People will overestimate their ability to stay healthy in general. and so we can't just frame it as well you might you need this because you might get sick in the future like insurance is the is framed that way, right we We ideally want systems that are engaging to use that people want to use. They can't be too burdensome, but if they use those systems, then we, the medical profession and the individuals themselves and their family members can help those people live a higher quality of life for the, I mean, ideally you want to Im- extend the lifespan, but really what you want to do is expand, it, it is improve what many people would call the health span, right? When you're living, you want the highest quality of life possible. And to achieve that, means trying to avoid crises that sometimes can take somebody who's relatively healthy and start them on a downward spiral. Uh, so it's a great question you ask. You know, We have to figure out how to do that. That's one of the things that researchers are trying to do is figure out how do we build engaging systems that can, can measure some interesting, important parameters about health and wellness and the behavior particularly the behavioral factors that we know have a huge impact on your health how do we both measure that and go beyond measurement actually and motivate behavior changes that are sustainable over very long periods of time we're trying to figure out how to do that and if we do we we can probably leverage these consumer technologies that people are buying anyway and and hopefully increase the Sort of quality of life of of a large number of of people.
0: Yeah, I think that's like such an interesting like perspective because I guess thinking about it, like people that may not be super educated about like I guess their health might not be um, super encouraged to like use these kind of technologies. So it's definitely really interesting to think about how um, I guess research is going on to like look more into this.
1: Yeah, and um, I, I I think I sorry to interrupt, but I'd say we. We need to focus on the people who have the lowest health literacy and the people who are in the most need as much as possible. If you look at what is going on in, let's say, fitness equipment, things like Fitbits and uh, those sorts of technologies, they're really targeted primarily at athletes and fitness buffs. Those are the people who mostly end up buying those technologies and using them for extended periods of time. And the real challenge is in getting other types of people to engage with these sorts of long-term measurement and behavior change kind of applications that, that could ultimately, again, kind of fold into traditional telemedicine, perhaps. Um, but we we really do need to focus on the people who are most in need.
0: Um, this is kind of like everything a little bit away from this topic, but um, since you did mention that like with COVID-19, it was like suddenly like i guess a surge of people were like using telemedicine technologies like we were kind of wondering what were like some of the privacy concerns that were like um surrounding telemedicine when such a huge number of people started using it and like how did like i guess companies like approach improving protect like the protection of people's like personal health information
1: well that's a good question and I don't study telemedicine in its traditional form directly so I can't I can't say I haven't I, I don't recall seeing anything about specifically about our current COVID kind of telemedicine phase here and and people's concerns about privacy I would guess that most people don't have too big of an issue with respect to privacy just using a Zoom call talking to their physician right? Because typically the way it works is that you're going through the hospital's electronic medical record portal, and then they send you to some system either, sometimes it's it's Zoom. Based on my own family's experience, I think sometimes it's Zoom, but most of the time it's a, uh, a different company that's providing what may be slightly more secure video transfer between you and the physician. But i doubt that most people worry too much about that. Uh, and I doubt that most people worry too much about having their their medical records online either through these portals. So I don't know that that would necessarily be a big concern. Now, I could be wrong about that. Uh, but at least in our current phase of telemedicine, which is really just video appointments with physicians, I'm I'm not I'm skeptical that that would raise a lot of concerns with people. Now, longer-term monitoring and telemedicine that can get people more concerned, depending upon what type of information is being available to to who, including sometimes potentially to their physicians, um, even because they may not want to know, they may not want their physicians to know things like they were really, really sedentary for a long period of time, or that maybe they weren't making the best dietary choices, that sort of stuff. So there, it may come up more, but that's not very common these days in terms of telemedicine. Uh, yeah, that's really
0: interesting to hear, because I guess, personally, I thought there would be some concern. But I guess it might be possible that like telemedicine just hasn't like reached in advanced enough stage for people to have like super big concerns
1: well let me ask you a question what would Mm -hmm. your concern be
0: um i guess like i thought at least for wearable technology that people might be concerned about like if like i guess private organizations are like using their data or something um because this is like kind of unrelated um but i know like when there was like people are getting like genetic testing with like 23andMe, like people are worried about like how their genetic data would be used. And I was like thinking perhaps along those lines that like people might be concerned about their, um I guess, more physical information being used in ways that they weren't informed about.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think you're right. But again, we have to sort of separate out what happens today with telemedicine versus what might happen in the future. So today you, you can have things. I, one of the I would say one of the biggest home monitoring kind of things that happens sometimes that you could call telemedicine, I suppose, would be when somebody has a cardiac issue. They'll often give them a a portable monitor that they have to wear for several days, and it records your heart rhythms. And so it's sort of a special vest kind of thing with with that that attaches to you and you wear it for a couple of days, and then it. Some of them will send data back immediately to the physicians. Some of them will just record it locally, and then when you're done, they, they take a look at your data. And what they're looking for is, do you have any sort of heart arrhythmias that they can't catch in the lab? Because with many arrhythmias, they don't happen regularly. It's sort of your heart beats perfectly fine. And then it'll go into sort of a phase where it's not operating properly. It's not beating properly. It's either too fast or too slow or erratic. And if you go into the, the physician's office and they, they hook you up, you're only gonna be, they're only gonna be doing a measurement maybe for 10, 15, 20 minutes, You know, maybe a couple hours if they sort of force you to sit there. And that's not a normal situation. What they want is to look at a longer period of time under more normal conditions and to see what happens. So that's a case where they give you a piece of special equipment and they're collecting data, but it's for a relatively short period of time. And then that data goes into your hospital medical record that's still pretty different than saying, hey, I'm gonna take a Fitbit-like thing, right? And have you wear it all the time and have that data go into your your hospital medical record. And so there's gonna be a difference in terms of how people perceive the the potential privacy risks there. Uh, And I think there's a lot of really interesting uh, conversations to be had and research to be done about what people are, what people think is appropriate and, desirable or tolerable when it comes to continuous monitoring. I've had a lot of conversations with students through classes, and oftentimes they're perfectly comfortable with giving up an awful lot of information about their behavior to companies like Facebook and Google and Amazon. And then you ask, well, what about if you were going to give up your data for research on something like telemedicine or, or preventive health? And if that information were gonna be used by, let's say, researchers at Northeastern, and sometimes you get a very different answer and they say, No, I don't want, I don't want my Northeastern in any way, shape, or form to have access to that same data that they're not so concerned about Google or Facebook having. And you can ask, you know, why? Why is that, right? I mean, if somebody is trying to create a system with your best interests in mind, um, versus let's say Google that, that mostly just wants to sell you advertising and manipulate your behavior, sometimes to the detriment of your own health. Um, wh- why would you make a decision one way or the other? And so I think we have more you know, sort of work to do and also over time people's attitudes about what's acceptable will evolve if they start to see the benefits of um, providing information to to certain groups that are trying to help them with their own health.
0: Yeah, I definitely do think as like telemedicine is like utilized more in the future that people will become probably more comfortable with just like sharing their information with like not only researchers, but also like their physicians, I think for sure. Um, they they then, have to
1: see value in it, that's the thing. Yeah. And you know, mm-hmm. the other thing is the physicians don't necessarily want this information currently. Like they don't know what to do with it. So if you, if you let's say you, you're a quantified sulfur kind of person, which is the type of person who loves to track data on themselves. And you go off and you buy a Fitbit and you you buy a heart rate monitor and um, you put software on your phone and you answer questions about what you're eating every day. You collect this really detailed record on everything that you're doing, kind of health behavior related. And then you go into your physician and you say, I have all this data, I'm going to give it to you, help me with my health prevention, with my preventive health. They won't Have any idea what to do with any of it, and for the most part, they'll they'll say they don't even want it because they they don't know they don't even know that they won't know where to begin. Um, So that that's an issue too. We have to not only do we have we have to figure out ways to collect the data and make people feel care feel comfortable with it, but we have to help them understand that there's value in it. And the the thing that often initially gets brought up as like, well, I'll have more data that I'll give my physician. We don't necessarily at this point even know what a physician would do with it. We have to figure that out too. They are stressed for time and, and have very little time to spend with individual patients these days as they go about their day to day. And so if a patient comes in with tons of extra information the The physicians need tools that allow them to use that in some productive way, otherwise, they just won't even know what' to do with it, and it'll just feel like it's taking more time, which is their most limited resource.
0: Yeah, I guess like then perhaps like five to ten years or maybe even fifteen years in the future, How do you think like I guess um, I guess wearable technology and like telemedicine will be integrated into patient care? that you do mention that like physicians like might not know what to do with it right now. How do you think like all of this will like change in the future?
1: Well, I don't know if it's going to be in 15 years, but I'll tell you what I'd like to see with telemedicine. What I'd like to see is that we fix what I consider to be a major problem, which is that nobody cares about your health, essentially, other than you and maybe your family members, if you're fortunate enough to have family members around Um Are who are sort of in your life. But if you don't go to the physician, they don't call, they don't typically call you up and say, hey, how's it going? Right. The crazy part is my dentist sort sort of does, but my my physician does not. It's up to me to call them. Usually people only call them when they're already having a problem. And that's that's the fundamental problem that we have to fix by the time you're already having a problem, it's, it's often harder to fix that problem. So what I'd really like to see is is our medical profession evolve new types of professionals who are helping in combination with algorithms, helping monitor people on a on day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis, and and proactively trying to help them stay healthy so that we don't have a system that is that sick care system that just waits until there's a problem and then tries to fix it, but rather we have a healthcare system that is continuously reaching out to people and helping them with the preventive things that they have to do, making and sustaining behavior changes, for example, and monitoring issues before they become major issues. We we wanna be able to do that. So what I would envision is that most people would have mobile phones, many will have smart watches. There may be other little devices that are easy to get data from. So let's start with simple stuff like thermometers and blood pressure monitors. You know, maybe you take your temperature once a week, you take your blood pressure once a week when you're feeling perfectly fine, right? have absolutely no health problems, but we get people into the habit, kind of like brushing your teeth, right? A few little things that you do on a regular basis for prevention, the data from those go into this electronic record that you have. And then your devices, as much as possible, are also passively monitoring things related to physical activity, sedentary behavior, your sleep, uh, whether or not you're taking medications properly, if you have any, and even things like stress levels and stuff like that. So all of that is then, might you can imagine that it might go into computers that try to process that and see. Does a particular, is there something about a particular individual's pattern that suggests that something may have changed? And those computers sometimes may do things automatically, but oftentimes may then uh, communicate with health professionals who then reach out to individuals and essentially try to help them work through problems. And not even just like, not problems, but things that could become problems, right? That, so it's the prevent, help them work on prevention And help people who have chronic conditions manage dealing with those chronic conditions and help people who are recovering from an illness recover more quickly. Because those are the three things that we don't do particularly well. If they're really sick and they're in the hospital, we're probably dealing with them pretty well. Um, But prevention, coping, and recovery, we do not deal with all that well. So I'd like to see in 15 year time frame but i think it'll probably take longer um, i'd like to see us have new types of health professionals who use technology very effectively to help people before they get, get sick
0: yeah hopefully i think as like the healthcare field is incorporating technology more into like i guess patient care hopefully we will see like some of these improvements that you're talking about Thank you so much, Professor Intelli, for like all your time and answering these questions and like giving us um, I guess, so much insight into I guess telemedicine and the healthcare field.
1: It's my it's my pleasure actually. And I think for your your club and your generation, it's incredibly important that we have a lot of smart people thinking about these problems because we cannot continue on the path that we are on. it is not financially sustainable in the United States and in other countries. As people live longer, the care, the sick care becomes exponentially more expensive. So if you look at costs of care at the end of life, at the very end of life is where we spend a huge amount of money in the United States system. And we, we have to figure out ways to both increase the quality of care, help people stay healthy and independent as long as possible and, and improve that health span, but in very cost-effective sort of ways.
0: Thank you so much for listening. We hope this podcast has shared more information about telemedicine and its benefits and limitations. To learn more about VITAL and get updated with our activities, you can follow us on social media at VITAL Northeastern and check for updates on our website www.northeastern.edu slash vital. Thank you for listening.